Monday, charges were issued in Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller's investigation into possible coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia. Three former Trump campaign officials were indicted in the probe. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, but also two lesser-known Trump associates, Rick Gates and George Papadopoulos. So what exactly are these charges? Are these indictments proof that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia to sway the 2016 election? This is a special break-in episode of Can He Do That? A podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. Today's special episode will dive into these latest developments in the Mueller investigation and answer a new critical, can he do that question? Now that there are several indictments, can Trump himself emerge unscathed from this investigation? Taking a break from his incredible reporting today, we have national security reporter Matt Zapatowski back on the show. Matt, I know how crazy today has been. Thank you so much for being here. Anytime. So let's just get into this. Three people have been indicted in the Mueller probe. The first criminal charges in this probe have now come out. Let's go through each of these so we can understand exactly what's at stake, starting with the most recognizable name, Paul Manafort, Trump's former campaign chairman. What was Manafort charged with? So he was charged with a variety of crimes, but they are conspiracy against the United States, money laundering, conspiracy to avoid this law that requires him to report when he does work on behalf of foreign interests. And these are all financial crimes that stem from his work on behalf of some Ukrainian interests. This guy, Viktor Yanukovych, who is a pro-Russian Ukrainian candidate, Paul Manafort was doing work for him and kind of wanted this secret. So he took a number of steps to hide that he was doing work for him, moving money through shifty offshore accounts and entities into the United States, and also using these two firms to kind of disguise that he really was the man who was interfacing with Yanukovych and advocating on his behalf here in the U.S., We have this law called the Foreign Agents Registration Act that requires you to register if you're going to lobby on behalf of foreign interests. It's to prevent propaganda in the United States where people don't know the source. If you register, no no problem. But he hadn't registered. And in fact, prosecutors said that he had tried to deceive people that he was doing this. So that, that was the basis of his crime. But in terms of conspiracy against the United States, which of Manafort's actions indicate that he committed conspiracy? So, right, this this is kind of a catch-all charge. It's still a financial charge. It's just like when you work with other people to defraud the United States, and that's what's happening here, right? When you're not registering and you're you're moving money in a way that, that defrauds the United States, that's what that charge refers to. I don't want people to be left with the impression that this is treason. You know, right. a lot of financial criminals get hit with this charge if they engage in like contracting fraud, for example. But so that's the basis of that charge. Along with Manafort, Rick Gates was charged in this indictment, which had 12 counts. Mm -hmm. Who is Rick Gates? Rick Gates is Manafort's longtime business partner. They were in on this work that I just described together. And he had a role on the Trump campaign, too. And in fact, he stayed on in Trump land after Manafort was bounced. Rick Gates actually was involved in some inauguration planning. So he's a really important figure in his own right. In in this instance, in terms of the conduct that's charged, he's Manafort's deputy. So he's in on all these deals. He's purportedly 
actively laundering all the money. He also doesn't register when he needs to and is, is involved in the deception, just as Manafort's business partner. So the difference here, though, is that Manafort himself sort of stepped away from being involved in the Trump campaign where Gates did not. Yeah, that's right. Rick Gates stayed on longer than Manafort in the Trump campaign. Not like to present day. I think the last reported contacts, significant contacts he had with Trump were like in the January, February time frame. Um, but it is much longer than when Manafort gets bounced from the campaign. Right. So the two of them, Gates and Manafort, made an appearance in court today. What happened there? Well, they both pleaded not guilty, which is about what we would expect. A judge set a bond for both of them, $10 million for Manafort, $5 million for Gates. That doesn't mean that they had to pay $5 million or else they would go to jail. They basically sign a document that says, if I don't come to my next court appearance, I'll be on the hook for this money. And then they got home confinement while they kind of work out different bond terms. So this was a really closely watched hearing. Of course, CNN had reported on Friday that there was going to be an indictment unsealed sometime this week, possibly Monday. So reporters are staking out the courthouse. These guys, Manafort first shows up at the FBI's Washington field office, then they both come to court. It's a very closely watched affair. You know, they'll just continue through the legal process. Now, today was a pretty preliminary step. They go in and plead not guilty. You would expect that. Get a bond. You would expect that. And before we get to Papadopoulos, are these charges specifically against Manafort and Gates directly related to collusion with Russia? They're not in any way related to collusion with Russia as far as the campaign is concerned. So they represented this guy who was a pro-Russian candidate in Ukraine. So there's a Russian connect in that way. But I guess a little backstory: Before there was ever Bob Mueller special counsel, the FBI had been probing Manafort with regard to this work in Ukraine. It really heated up kind of in the post-campaign time period when Manafort was just a higher on their priority list. But this this stuff is all its own. It's not connected to the presidential campaign. It does go up into the presidential campaign time period, 2016. Some of the conduct is into 2017. But it doesn't, as far as what was charged today, have anything to do directly with coordinating with Russia to influence the 2016 election, as far as Manafort and Gates are concerned. Now, then why would Mueller prioritize indicting Manafort and Gates? Well, so the, the leading theory is that he is looking to get one of them to flip, to be able to testify against people who would maybe be more important in Trump world. So you hit someone with charges like this to let them know you're not messing around. You know, you want them to cooperate. If they're not going to cooperate, they could be facing charges that could lead to years in prison. You know, they could have worked out a deal before this and and just have cooperated. That's what we saw in Papadopoulos, right? He, they had arrested him, but then he pleaded guilty. He was charged by way of what's called a criminal information. These guys weren't. They were hit with an indictment. But I think people, legal analysts, view that as a very aggressive tactic to try to convince them that they probably should cooperate and talk more about what they know about Trump world. Okay, let's dive more into Papadopoulos, who, who did, in fact, who has been cooperating with Mueller. Who is George Papadopoulos? Let's start there. George Papadopoulos is this young guy, I think he's only in his 30s, who gets attached to the campaign as a foreign policy advisor. President Trump, President Trump's allies now try to cast him as a hanger-on, like he's this young guy who doesn't get paid and, you know, can't do anything official on behalf of the campaign. He's a volunteer. Yeah, they kept saying he's a volunteer. Um, And he is young and he is maybe not the most experienced when it comes to foreign policy. But President Trump had talked about him as a foreign policy advisor. In fact, I think he first revealed that he was on this foreign policy advisory committee to The Washington Post. So he's this 
young guy who's in the orbit, he somehow gets involved in this murky world of Russian or purported Russian cutouts. The, the way the charges against him describe it, he's in touch with this professor, a London-based professor who claims to have ties to Russian government officials. He's also in touch with another woman who he believes or says is Vladimir Putin's niece. It turns out she's not, but that she maybe has some Russian connections. And what he's doing is essentially trying to broker a meeting between actual Russian officials, not like these cutout types, and the Trump campaign, potentially even President Trump himself. So the charges kind of lay out all the ways in which he does this, all the email correspondence he has. The charge against him is just making a false statement. So when the FBI interviews him about this in January, he casts this as a big nothing. He says this London professor, he doesn't really believe he has the goods. He claims he's offering him dirt is the word he uses on Hillary Clinton, which might include dirt in thousands of emails. It turns out that's kind of a lie. Like he says that he that offer is made before he joins the campaign. That's not true. It's after he's on the campaign. And also his contacts with this guy are way more substantive than he describes. He doesn't actually see him as a nobody or a nothing. He really seriously entertains getting this dirt on Clinton and meeting with this guy to try to put the campaign in touch with with Russian officials. So under the threat of being charged with lying to the FBI, he pleaded guilty. Yeah, he uh, he actually was charged. It's this kind of funny proceeding. In July, he flies back from Munich. He lands at Dulles, and he's arrested and slapped with this charge. He had already talked to the FBI. But then after he's charged, they work out a deal. So he eventually pleads guilty earlier this month to this count of lying, which he was charged to. And we know now that he had agreed he would affirmatively cooperate with the FBI. Now, you do that because you're looking for the lenient charge. You don't want them to indict you on more serious charges, for example, or maybe you just want them to agree to a certain sentence. In this case, they agreed about guidelines for what his sentence could be. They didn't agree to give him a lenient sentence, but he was cooperating this whole time. And what might cooperating mean in this case? Well, it could mean a lot of things. I think at a minimum, it means he's telling them everything he knows. So for his time on the Trump campaign, he's telling them about discussions that he heard, emails that he sent, emails that he got. He's probably turning over those documents. There is a world where it could mean that since he started cooperating, he might have been wired up. You know, we don't know that for sure. I do want to stress that. But oftentimes, these cooperation agreements mean you affirmatively go out and try to get information. And it's possible in these months since he was arrested and agreed to cooperate that he's been doing that. And in terms of his efforts to try and set up meetings with Russian officials and the Trump team, do we know if any of those meetings actually happened? We don't believe that any actually happened, at least what's described in the charging paper, in his plea, I should say. It doesn't seem that any came to fruition. At one point, it's advised to him by another campaign official, well, you should go to Russia and take a meeting. We know that didn't happen. We do see, importantly, senior campaign officials kind of entertaining him. There's some skepticism. I mean, we definitely see them being wary about some of these. At one point, uh, one campaign official, not Papadopoulos, forwards one of Papadopoulos's email to another campaign official and sort of says, we need to be careful about this. We need to make sure DT, refers to Donald Trump very likely, isn't involved in this. And maybe we send a low-level person so we don't send any signal. So they're definitely wary of what he's telling them. But at another point, somebody writes, him back after he's described some of his efforts and says, great job. So they're definitely entertaining 
possibly having these meetings, we don't have any evidence that any of these actually take place. And in fact, the the his plea notes that one specific ask, you know, hey, you go meet with the Russians. That didn't happen. So how is Trump responding to all of this? In two ways. His initial response today was only after the Manafort indictment had come on. And he said, look, this has got nothing to do with me. You know, what do I know about 2014 Ukraine stuff or even earlier Ukraine stuff? You know, that, that's got nothing to do with me. Then, of course, the Papadopoulos thing comes out and that's got a lot more to do with his campaign. And their response, not necessarily the president directly, but his spokesperson and his lawyer have said, look, this guy was a nobody. You know, he was a volunteer on the campaign. You know, he's very young. He can't speak sort of for the campaign. He he's not like, in their view, he couldn't be an official voice of the campaign. So they're trying to sort of minimize him and cast him off and just say, this has got nothing to do with President Trump. I think that's a little specious. The, the investigation is about collusion, coordination between Russia and the Trump campaign. And Papadopoulos definitely is sort of right on point to that topic. It doesn't touch the president directly that we've seen so far, but this is probably, a, you know, just one of the first steps in Mueller's investigation. Not maybe the first step, but it's an early step in Mueller's investigation. It's not over. And the case against Papadopoulos definitely touches that theme. Is it enough to discredit Trump's claims of this is a witch hunt or, or this is fake news? Uh, if he's just referring to himself, certainly nothing has touched him directly today. But it's definitely enough to call that into question. And certainly the, the statements by Sarah Huckabee Sanders today saying, well, you know, this is nothing. This guy can't speak for the campaign. He was on the campaign. President Trump spoke warmly about him. He announced that he was a part of the campaign. So though it is true that he was a very young guy and maybe he wasn't a senior member of the campaign. Right. So what do these charges now mean for the larger Russia investigation? We're now seeing repeated instances of communication, in the least, between someone affiliated with Russia in some way and, and the Trump campaign. What does this mean? I think the big thing that this means or the big thing that we need to look for is is the cooperators. You know, what did Papadopoulos say to them about these meetings, the broader context, who knew what when? I think this means that we should look to see if Manafort or Gates ultimately turn and cooperate because presumably, I mean, they are senior leaders in the campaign. Do they have more information to share? And a big thing this means too is that Mueller isn't messing around. You know, he charged a guy up a 30-something on the campaign with lying to the FBI in pursuit of, of his mission. He charged Manafort and Gates with conduct totally unrelated to collusion. It presumably, maybe not presumably, but a lot of people would say because he's trying to get them to cooperate. He's not messing around, and I think these charges kind of put the White House on notice of that if they weren't on notice already. Yeah, on that note, do you expect more Trump associates will be indicted? It's hard to say. Um, this is certainly a, a big first step in terms of charges. It's striking to me that we didn't hear anything about Mike Flynn. We know that he has been a very significant focus of Mueller's investigation. We also didn't hear anything about Kushner or Don Jr. We know Don Jr. had meetings about dirt, too. I can't, you know, I don't want to sit here and predict that somebody else will be indicted, but I do think that we shouldn't look at this as the conclusion of Mueller's investigation. It's not like everything was building towards this. I still think this was a building block possibly towards more, but we just have to see what evidence Mueller gathers and, and what charges he's able to substantiate, if any. 
And as part of Mueller's investigation, he's still looking into whether or not there is an obstruction of justice issue here with the president himself. Do any of the indictments today get us closer to understanding Mueller's perception of that particular charge? None directly charge that. So I would put these kind of in terms of four buckets. There's the, the Manafort bucket, the Flynn bucket, the obstruction bucket, and the collusion bucket. I would put these in the Manafort bucket and the collusion bucket. We didn't really get into Comey's firing or the circumstances behind that. Definitely not in the Manafort charges and definitely not in the Papadopoulos charges. And that's what the obstruction probe would be focused at. We didn't hear anything about Flynn, so you can rule out that bucket. But, you know, you could see ways in which this might come together. Like if, I mean, Manafort is gone by the time that Comey's fired, but maybe Gates has some insight into that question. He's around much closer to that time period. You know, maybe these things come together as they flip people and get cooperators. They're able to tell them more about these other these other buckets, you know. So th- the answer to your question is no, today's stuff did not charge the obstruction piece, but I wouldn't read that as a signal that the obstruction piece has just faded away. Okay, Matt, our final question of the day here is our can he do that question, as always. Can Trump himself emerge unscathed if many of his associates and former associates are indicted? Well, I certainly wouldn't say unscathed. I think this, by its very definition, hurts him a little bit, you know. Um, This is a guy, in Papadopoulos' case, who was on his campaign, who was doing some really shady kind of stuff, He's accused of – well, no, he's pleaded. He was doing some some really shady kind of stuff to negotiate a possible meeting with Russians. That doesn't look good for Trump whether he knew about it or not. If you look at Manafort, even though this doesn't directly touch his work on the Trump campaign, this is a guy who Trump hired to lead his campaign. So him facing these serious charges involving a conspiracy to defraud the United States, that's not a good look for Trump. So – I don't think there's any way he emerges from this unscathed. Now, can he emerge from this with his presidency intact? Absolutely. You know, I don't think that we're anywhere to the point, at least from these charges, where you would be thinking about removing him from office or anything like that. But in terms of him being unscathed, his image being unscathed, like already, I I think that that's not going to happen. Right, right. Okay, well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys can follow Matt Zapatoski on Twitter at... Matt Zap. Or you can follow me, Allison Michaels, at Allison Mikes. This has been a special episode of Can He Do That? You guys can get our regular weekly episodes on Friday wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can visit us at wapo.st slash can he do that. And while you're there, don't forget to get tickets to our live taping of the Can He Do That podcast at the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C. on November 7th. The night will be hosted by me, but will feature legendary Watergate reporter Bob Woodward, national correspondent Karen Tumulty, and 2017 Pulitzer Prize winner David Farenthold in a conversation about the biggest Can He Do That moments of the year. All year, we've been choosing the Can He Do That questions, but now it's your turn. Send me any questions you have via Twitter at Allison Mikes or via email at Allison Michaels at washpost.com, and we will try to answer them in our live show. Get your tickets now at livenation.com. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the incredible Carol Alderman, with design direction from Kat Rudell Brooks and logo art from Loren Boglio. If you like Can He Do That? You should check out some of our other great podcasts. 
like Constitutional, a series about how people have framed and reframed the Constitution over time from host Lillian Cunningham. Or try Cape Up with Jonathan Capehart, where Jonathan brings you the voices you need to hear on the topics you try to avoid. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. The Washington 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 Post. Post.